Wow, morning. Um, the first thing I'd like to do this morning is to get you to do something. I'd like you to turn to maybe not your spouse, if you're sitting with your spouse, but someone else, someone close to you, and have a 30-second chat about what you were doing 20 years ago. Some of us could talk all morning about that, <laughs> and I wouldn't have a job. <laughs> For some of us, those of us who are older, that was probably an easier exercise than for others. But put your hand up if when you think of something that happened 20 years ago, you think, boy, that was 20 years ago. That's hard to believe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I should have said for those that are in their 20s, maybe 10 years ago. Well, 20 years ago, I had just gone back teaching after having 12 years at home with my littlies. And um, so I've been at St Paul's now for 20 years. I'm one of the longest staff members there, which is a bit scary. There's a few just retired last year. Shane had left baking. So it's been 20 years since Shane started his nursing journey. So for those of you who knew Shane back then, it's 20 years. Yeah, amazing. We're going to watch a clip of something that happened in the world 20 years ago.
It's good, isn't it? It's good. Um, happened 20 years ago. And Dua Bradbury has become part of Aussie Lingo. That moment, there would not, was there anyone here who, as soon as it came up, didn't know what I was showing? Yeah, no, well, most people, those who are, when, yeah, <laughs> maybe those that are 24 and, 20 and younger. Um, but it is so well recognised as a part of Australian Winter Olympic history. And um, he won our first Winter Olympic gold medal. But at the time, there was a huge amount of controversy, as you can imagine, around the moment, including critics who thought the race should have been rerun. He's remembered for a 90-second race, but as he said, the only reason he was there was because of years of hard work and perseverance, years of unseen decisions. In his words, I stood to receive the gold, not for the 90-second race, but for the 12 years that got me there. Many of the spectators and the media were the loudest critics. But it's interesting to hear, if you have time, it's worth actually Googling and hearing commentary from the other races. Not one of them said the race should be rerun. Not one of them. There was disappointment for those who were expected to win, but they all saw it as the nature of the sport. And for the other two on the podium, they were just as happy to be there. In fact, it was the first medal for one of the other countries up there as well. You know, it's not always the brightest and the most talented that get across the finishing line first. Bradbury didn't feel worthy until the medal ceremony when he heard the national anthem being played. I want you to keep those thoughts in your mind because I'm going to refer to them. This morning, um, I'd also like to look at the story of Ruth in the Old Testament. It's a story of a young woman who found herself in an awful situation. She was a widow in a foreign land who had aligned herself with her mother-in-law who had no prospects to offer Ruth and no hope for the future. They had returned to Bethlehem, Naomi's home. Even though Naomi had encouraged Ruth to return to her own family, Ruth's confession to Naomi is one of those really famous ones. Where you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. As they arrived home to Bethlehem, Naomi changed her name to Mara. means bitterness. She had returned having lost her husband and her two sons. And she was despondent and bitter about what the future held for her. Well, we have the benefit of knowing how the story ends. But I feel for Naomi. If I lost Shane and my children, I don't think I'd be skipping home. You know, she was in a very real place. But Ruth and Naomi's future changed dramatically when Ruth took some initiative. The most natural and obvious thing to do. They had to eat. So in Ruth, in Ruth chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, this is what it says. One day, Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go out into the harvest fields to pick up the stalks of grain left behind by anyone who was kind enough to let me do it. 
Naomi replied, All right, my daughter, go ahead. So Ruth went out to gather grain behind the harvesters. And as it happened, she found herself working in a field that belonged to Boaz, the relative of her father-in-law, Elimelech. Ruth didn't know anybody apart from Naomi. She didn't know who owned what field. But it happened that she found herself in the field of Boaz. Not happenstance, not chance, but directed by the hand of God, because God had a plan. And Ruth doing this resulted in her being and taking a pivotal place in history. She married Boaz. They had a son named Obed, who was the grandfather of David, who became a part of the lineage of Jesus. What started out as a story of hopelessness turned into a story of hope and redemption, faithfulness and providence. You know, the Bible is full of stories like this. In fact, as Ben said, there's a few stories like this in our house. Where ordinary people, people like you and me, heard from God and took a risk, stepped out in faith and put some action to their faith. Moses, Isaiah, Esther, David. There was nothing great about them that set them apart, but they all knew God. And this is what made a way for them to be used by God. So why these two stories today? Why Bradbury and Ruth? Why get you thinking about 20 years ago? Well, um, I believe that as a church, we're at a pivotal point in history. We've talked about it the last few weeks. We're at a new season. It doesn't negate what's gone before. Before has been a preparation. But there's a sense that God is about to do something new. And I believe with that comes an opportunity to position ourselves, us, for what God is wanting to do. Together with the Holy Spirit, we have everything we need. Everything. We lack no good thing to see the kingdom flourish in our lives, in our homes, in our church, in Kabulcha, and beyond. We're part of something bigger than us. It's not about one person, one couple, one church, but it's about the kingdom and seeing God's purposes fulfilled in us and through us. Bradbury wasn't an accidental hero. He had paid years of sacrifice and had made decisions that took him to the podium. And Ruth didn't just happen to be in the right place at the right time. She had hope and she took steps of faith and her commitment found her in the right place at the right time. In 1988, and that's more than 20 years ago, Shane and I were part of a group of six young people who together um, started an initiative called Faith Festival. It was a youth camp in New Zealand that ran for over 20 years. We were only involved in the first two um, as we went to Europe in 1990. Um, but it drew Christian young people from all over New Zealand for more than 20 years, once a year, 
for um, inspiration and connection. And when we go back to New Zealand, and we've even had some people that have come into this church and have talked about moments that changed their lives that happened at a faith festival. Now, who would have thought when six of us sat in a room and said, let's do something for the local Christian young people, that it would go for so long, that it would have such an impact. You know, it's, it's incredible when we look back. Well, at the first one of these, I remember, this is one of my God moments. I remember vividly being challenged by a message from Isaiah and praying with all my heart, here am I, send me. It's a prayer I've prayed many times in lots of different ways over the past 34 years. And I look back and I can see how God has answered and and directed in ways I could never have imagined. That started a journey for Shane and I and led to us going to Belgium for a year with a mission group, which led to us coming here, which led to us being here. Do you know, it's, I, I look back and it was a simple prayer that began a journey for us. It can be a scary prayer to pray. <laughs> here am I, send me, because we don't know where he's going to send us <laughs> or what he's going ask, to ask us to do. But when we pray it, We're really saying, Lord, I'm available. Use me. It's a place of surrender and handing over the ownership of our lives to God. Romans 12. This is an exhortation that that was given to the Romans, but it's as relevant today as it was then. Uh, Chapter 12, verse 1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behaviour and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. An encouragement to hold nothing back, because this is true worship. He gave his all for us. Our response is to give our all to him. And as we do that and allow him to transform us, that's where we find his good and perfect will. It's not difficult to know God's will for our lives because as we surrender and love him, when we're willing, he will direct our paths. Rather than looking for the next field, looking beyond where we are. Let's be faithful where we are. Ask God to use us where we are. Ask him to open our eyes to see the field in front of us, whether it's living sacrificially at home, whether it's in a ministry in the church, whether it's giving your all at work and honouring your boss, whether it's in your neighbourhood loving your neighbours and beyond. It's not about ministry. 
It's not even really about gifting. It's about being faithful and acknowledging God in everything we do in response to all he's done. That's living sacrificially. That's presenting our lives as a living sacrifice. God may call you to give up everything and be sent somewhere. We don't know. I'm, I'm so blessed with Rob Porter at the moment. He's in Serbia. He's gone for three weeks, and I just thought, yeah. And it wasn't on his mind. It was just something God dropped in his heart, and he said, yes, I'm willing. And already the stories he's been sharing have been inspirational about the things that he's seen and been able to do. <clears throat> so we may be sent, but God wants to use us where we are right now to prepare us for what's ahead. If we're not preparing now, we're not going to be ready to be sent. It's in being faithful today that we see it come to pass. We can be so focused on the future that we neglect, not just miss it, but neglect what we're called to today. Or we can be like Naomi, who was so focused on the past that it clouded her future. In fact, it clouded her now. She came with bitterness. My challenge today is quite simple. Be a participator. Be a doer in what the Holy Spirit is doing today. It's not by chance we're here today. It's not by chance that you belong to Hope Point. Pop your hand up if you grew up somewhere other than Caboolture. Have a look around. This is not by chance that we are here. God has brought us here to be together for a reason. I don't know what that reason is yet, but I'm excited that as we journey together, we're going to find out. All over the globe... Ephesians 4.16 tells us that he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Every part, every one of us is needed. We're all called to be participators, ready to take our place. Let's not be spectators, or heaven forbid, the media, like they were with Bradbury, who were in uproar and could only see fault, who were looking for what went wrong. Let's not be like them. Sitting on the I thought this, you know, you often see people, they sit on the sideline and they're just looking over things, you know, sort of down their nose, waiting to see a mistake, so then go, yeah, I thought that would happen. You know, um, we're not looking for fault. God has called us to encourage one another. David slew Goliath, but it was the whole army that chased the Philistines away. Jo just, um, Joshua, I was going to say Josiah, because I'm reading about Josiah at the moment. Joshua heard from God at Jericho, but on his own he couldn't have seen the walls come down. The soldiers and the priests took their part, place and did their part to see those walls come down. Romans 12, verse 7. <clears throat> if your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. 
If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honouring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope, be patient in trouble, and keep on praying. Bradbury and Ruth are recorded in history, yet it was decisions they made long before. You know, no matter what our fields looks like, the encouragement in that scripture is to do it with all our heart, to redeem the time, not waste time, serve the Lord enthusiastically. We don't have any control over our past. Today is a new day. His mercies are new every morning. We can make decisions today that will position us for the future. All of us here want to be able to hear our anthem. Just like Bradbury heard the Australian national anthem, our anthem is going to be, well done, good and faithful servant. We want to be able to flourish in his courts. We want to be intimate and vulnerable, open to hearing from God. These verses that we just read talk about gifts, and we often focus on that. But it says here, don't just pretend to love, really love. Gifts without love aren't very nice to be around. <laughs> we, need to, we need to love one another. It wasn't gifts that made the people in the Bible heroes. It was their love for God and their love for people. You know, Naomi followed the food out of fear. Ruth also sought food, but out of faith. And Naomi's decision to follow the food ended in heartache and bitterness. But Ruth's was out of love. She followed her heart and faith, stuck to her commitment, and she became a multiple great-grandmother of Jesus. You know, we've already heard it this morning. I believe it's something that God's wanting to do. I think he wants to breathe on us afresh. Breathe on our commitment to one another. Breathe on our commitment to what he's wanting to do in this place. He's wanting to touch us. You know, Ben talked about, I think it was Ben, yeah, when you prayed, about climbing up into the lap of Jesus. You know, a little child, when they want into their father or their mother's lap, they run up and they lift up their hands. Basically, they're saying, here I am, here I am, look at me, here I am. And that's what we can do. When we say, Lord, here I am, it's an entrance into his presence. It's an entrance to come close to him. So I haven't talked for long this morning. 
I want to, it's a really simple message that I believe God is wanting us all to just recommit to saying, here I am, Lord. Use me. Send me. I'm yours. I've got a song that we're going to sing, uh, play to finish, but I wonder if we could stand. And I know there's a focus on here am I, but as we sing this, yeah, let's do a personal commitment and give our heart to the Lord afresh. But also declare, here we are, Lord, send us. Here we are. We're here together. And as you stand, take our place knowing that we all belong like a jigsaw puzzle. To make the picture, it needs every piece. God has placed us here for a purpose. It's not by chance that you're in this place this morning. Let's sing and declare this truth individually and, and as, a, as a family.